Casual sex is fun, but it's not as important as our culture or our instincts want us to believe it is. Getting discomfortable with gay sex. Last week for National Coming Out Day, I did a whole episode about discovering my sexuality. This week, I want to talk about sexuality itself, specifically gay sexuality, and very specifically gay sex. That means that if you are under eighteen, or if you are related to me, or if you know me, or if you've met me, or if you think you might meet me in the future. You should probably just not listen to this episode, unless you and I have actually had sex. Then, yeah, okay, you can listen. Gay male culture has a long history of casual sex, or hookups, as they're currently called. Given that men traditionally couldn't just openly be gay, they had to find subtle ways to connect with each other. There were, of course, secret gay bars here and there, but equally as important were these areas that you somehow just found out about where you could have casual sex, be it a bathhouse or a public bathroom or a park or a certain beach. These were called cruising areas, and cruising is basically just what it sounds like. You're cruising around. Looking for someone who is looking to have sex. On my travels around the world, I would sometimes be walking home late at night, and I would just accidentally discover that I was in a cruising zone. I'd be walking through a park on the way to my Airbnb, and various guys would just sort of come out of the woodwork and give me a kind of intense stare. And I'd be like, "Oh, oh, so this is where it happens." I'm not against cruising per se. I think it's just that I'm too terrified to try it. Fortunately, in the modern era, cruising has been encapsulated in an app. Well, actually, now there's a bunch of apps, but the original and most famous you've probably heard of—it's called Grinder. Though everyone loves to hate Grinder, it really deserves credit as the first dating app, even though it's not really for dating. Without Grinder, you probably wouldn't have apps like Tinder or Bumble or Happen or whatever the latest straight dating app is called, Fetch or Timble or Flinge, Twang, Simper, Quill, Flimp, Twirl, <laughs> Squeaker. I don't. I, I just don't know. I can't keep up. Grinder digitized cruising. So that you could find guys in the near vicinity without having to wander around in some sketchy park all night. The way Grinder works is it's basically a giant grid, and you are the very first box of the grid, and it's based on distance. So the boxes closest to you are the guys who are closest to you, and as you scroll down through the grid, you get further and further away. And depending on how big of a city you are in. You know, one page of Grinder could be just people in your building, or in a small town, one page of Grinder might reach out for miles. Each block in the grid has a photo, if you want, 
And you can also update various information like your height, your weight, your age, your relationship status, what your sexual preferences are, whether you have HIV or not, whether you're on PrEP or not, and so on. There's also space to write whatever witty or explicit thing you want. It's worth noting that because Grindr is sold through the Apple Store, you're not allowed to post anything too explicit within your block. You can send people explicit content in a private message, but it can't be your public profile. So typically, you just sort of scroll through the Grindr grid looking for guys that catch your eye, and then you can send them a message. Most Grindr conversations are identical. It goes like this. You start off, generally, by sending someone a, hey. Most people don't respond, but if they're interested, they will often respond with another, hey. At which point, you would normally say, how are you? And they would say, good, how are you? And then you would say, good, what's up? And they would say, just chilling, what's up with you? And you would say, same. And then you would say something like, what are you looking for? And they would say, well, of course, it depends on what they are looking for. Some people are also just looking for friends or looking for chats or looking for dates. But more often than not, the answer is friends and fun. Fun, of course, means sex. To that, you would probably respond, same. Or, you know, whatever it is that you are looking for. And then you would probably say, what are you into? The answers to this question can be very diverse, but usually what people are looking for is, what is your sexual position? Are you a top? Are you a bottom or are you verse, as in versatile? You know, you could go either way. But some people get really in-depth of exactly what they're into. They're like, I want to be tied up. I want you to shave my head. I want you to stick hot needles into my nipples. Once you've established what someone is into, the next obvious question is, got more pics? Some people will send all kinds of different pictures. Sometimes people will send you like 30 photos capturing every angle of their body. Some guys will send you an intensely detailed close-up of their asshole. Or even more uncomfortable, in my opinion, a photo of them having sex with someone else. I mean, it's ridiculous because if someone's on Grindr, of course you know that they are having casual sex. But it may not be something that you want to see in picture form. Some guys won't even send you a message at all. They'll just start with a dick pic. People will usually send you about four pictures that usually includes their face, a picture of them in a natural setting, and a picture of them with no shirt on, and often a dick pic or an ass pic, depending on what they want to show off. This is a classic point in the conversation for someone to just stop responding because they don't like your pics. But if they do, they will send pics back, and usually the exact same kind of pictures you sent them. Then there's sort of a tense moment as everyone weighs whether or not they find each other attractive, and you would usually respond with, hot, something like that. And they would say, thanks, you too. Then there's kind of an awkward moment where it's like, okay, so what do we do now? Are we actually going to meet up? You might say something like, where do you live? 
And there's actually a feature in Grinder where you can send people an exact pin on a map of where you are. And then it'd be like, cool, you're close by. I live here. And then the next obvious question is, can you host? Meaning, can I come over to your house to have sex? Or do you want to come over to my house to have sex? Sometimes people might want to meet you in a neutral location and grab a drink first or something. Or sometimes they'll just send you their address and say, come on over. The thing about Grindr is you never really know if it's going to happen until it actually happens. There are so many points in the process where someone can suddenly just disappear or it turns out that maybe they're not who they said they were or they're just catfishing you or they're a pick collector, which is someone who steals photos from other people, presumably someone who is more attractive than they are and uses those pictures to collect the pictures of other people around. Some people are just using Grindr as an amusement. Some people are just using it to jerk off at home. So you, you really never know what you're going to get and what's really going to happen until there's a person standing right in front of you. Generally speaking, Grindr doesn't bring out the best behavior in people. I think most people would agree that they kind of hate Grindr and they don't want to spend much time on there, but at the same time, it's kind of addictive. It's both a great distraction and the promise of having sex with a hot person is always sort of lingering overhead. The most common problematic behavior is that people will just ignore you. And to be honest, if you responded to every single person who sent you a message, you would literally spend all day on Grindr. That being said, some people feel really strongly that you should respond to everyone because it's polite. And that certainly makes sense as well. It just isn't very realistic. It's also not the safest because you really don't know who this person is. You don't really know if they're being honest about the details they are telling you about themselves. And in fact, you don't even know what they look like. I've heard of lots of experiences where guys have gone to meet a grinder date only to discover that it's a completely different person. That's called catfishing. Sometimes there's a, an elaborate story behind why they look different, or they claim that they came to meet the guy that you thought you were meeting in the hopes that you'll just sleep with them instead. And honestly, you really don't know if this person is a serial killer who's going to chop your body into small pieces and eat them. One thing I like about Grindr is that people generally aren't shy about saying exactly what they want. People are very open about their kinks, which I think is both healthy and useful, because if they're into something that you're not interested in, you know it's not going to be a good match. Generally speaking, the whole thing seems to be a bit of a role play. You try to get a sense of what that person is looking for, and you try to sort of embody it in order to convince them to have sex with you. It's kind of transactional. It's less about who you are as a person and more about are you attractive, and that's it. People seem to have a kind of guard up or they're putting on a facade. They're, they're n not willing to really tell you much about themselves or who they are because, frankly, they don't know who you are. It's like a kind of mutual fantasy fulfillment. This is what I'm looking for. This is what you're looking for. Let's pretend that we are that and distract ourselves for an hour. And I think that really gets down to what Grindr is. It's a distraction. 
I don't want to be down on casual sex or sex negative or judgmental or anything like that. But there's no question that part of the draw of Grindr is what psychologists would call a process addiction. It's when you use a behavior to modify your mood instead of a chemical. A process addiction can be a sex addiction, it can be a gambling addiction, it can be a shopping addiction. Casual sex is an incredible distraction from whatever stresses you're feeling in life. It's actually an incredibly mindful experience, usually. It sort of forces you into the present moment. It gets rid of all these distracting thoughts about work and family and drama and money. And you just have this really intense, intimate half hour to an hour, whatever, whatever it is, where you are completely focused on pleasure and on another person and on physical sensations. And it's extremely validating. There's this other person who finds you so attractive and compelling that they're willing to come over and take all their clothes off and have sex with you, like the most intimate act imaginable. It's this strange combination, at once incredibly profound and intimate, and yet also incredibly casual and disposable. Psychologist and shame expert Dr. Alan Downs wrote a seminal book called The Velvet Rage that goes into detail about the specific use of shame in the gay community and how casual sex plays right into that. I think the book is both extremely accurate but yet, ironically, kind of shaming in and of itself. I think Alan Downs makes a very compelling argument that casual sex is used to numb unpleasant emotions, specifically feelings of shame, worthlessness, unlovability, but also general feelings of stress and depression and whatnot. The danger of using casual sex in this way is that it's only a temporary fix. Generally, it is this very pleasurable, distracting, and mindful event. But as soon as it's over, you are right back to square one, feeling whatever it was that you were trying to mask, be it shame or loneliness or sadness or depression, etc. Rather than dealing with the core issue, it's just a superficial distraction. So you go right back onto Grinder and try to numb it away again, A process addiction generally escalates. You don't get the same distraction out of sex that you used to, so you have to do it more, or you have to do it with more intensity, or in more dangerous and thrilling ways. The first time you go on Grindr, you're so excited just by swapping photos that you don't even need to meet up with someone. But after you've been on it for a year, you have to go to like an orgy with 13 guys to get the same kind of thrill. Once again, I don't want to imply that there's necessarily anything wrong with an orgy with 13 guys. I think people should do what they want to do. But what I'm challenging you to think about is, why are you going to the orgy with 13 guys? Is it because you genuinely want to, or is it because you're trying to numb something away? Casual sex is great when you have the time, and you do it safely, and you do it in a way that fits with your integrity and values. But when you're using it, as a distraction to numb away some unpleasant feelings and you use it as a process addiction, 
it takes on a life of its own, and it almost certainly drags you well out of your comfort zone, well out of your integrity, well outside of your values. Suddenly, you're a completely different person who is addicted to Grinder. I actually think that Grinder is kind of a healthy stage to go through. I call it your slut phase. It's a process of demystifying sexuality. Our our culture puts so much emphasis on sex, and there's so much value that we supposedly get from being attractive or from having sex with an attractive person. That it, it you almost feel like a kid in a candy store when you discover that there are just all these guys on Grinder there for the taking. It makes sense that you go a little too far. That you try all these different things. That you that you push the boundaries. I mean, you you want to just. Figure out like what is sex? What is it all about? What what do I like? What do I not like? And I think you naturally have to go too far to learn the lessons of what works for you. And after you've been through that process, I think generally you kind of demystify sex to the point where it doesn't excite you that much. Your reaction in that case can either be to escalate into, as I said, more and more dangerous, risky, exciting,、uh, unusual types of sex to keep the thrill going, or you can learn the lesson that sex, while exciting for various cultural and physiological reasons, really just isn't necessarily as meaningful and important as you originally thought. Humans are social animals, of course. Through evolution, we discovered that we survive the best in groups, and of course, evolution wanted us to survive. So it created all kinds of incredibly powerful positive reinforcement around sex. That's why sex feels so fucking good. That's why when you're horny, you are in this sort of like almost blind frenzy to get release. It's a factor of evolution and survival. But as soon as you've gotten That blind release, you suddenly have this perspective again, where you realize, "Hmm, that was fun, and that certainly satisfied my need for sex and my need for closeness and intimacy and touch." But what did it give me beyond that? I think sex needs other factors in order to be as meaningful as it seems like it's supposed to be, according to our sex-obsessed culture. I think you need to combine sex with real, meaningful relationships, which doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a monogamous marriage. But I think the kind of transactional, disposable sex that is readily available on Grinder is just that. It's it's disposable. It's not that profound. It's not that meaningful. And there's nothing wrong with disposable pleasure. I mean, that's what most TV shows are for. Yeah, you just want to have a little bit of quick, disposable, mindless. Enjoyment, and that's fine, as long as you keep that in perspective and know that that's not going to solve your problems, that that's not going to end your feelings of loneliness and meaninglessness. You have to use it very strategically and skillfully. So, by all means, go on Grinder, have casual sex when you want to, but don't allow it to become a process addiction. Don't confuse thirty minutes of mindful distraction. With an antidote to some of your deeper problems, and once you really start to see how a lot of your sex drive 
is driven by these base instincts that don't necessarily align with your integrity and values or how you're using it in a process addiction kind of way to numb certain feelings, especially shame, it really does just sort of naturally lose its luster. When you see a hot guy, your initial instinct is like, oh, I wonder if I can create a sense of value and validation by acquiring that guy sexually. But then you realize, oh, but that acquired value and validation will only last for a short amount of time, and and then I will be just back to square one. You just start to see that it is a misguided solution. It takes time. I mean, you, you have to make this mistake a lot before you realize that it's just not as meaningful and satisfying as you thought it was. And it doesn't help that our culture is always congratulating us for having sex. It's like, yeah, you can tell your friends, I got laid last night. And everyone is like, high fives, like, woo, good for you. But no one actually stops and says, oh, but was it meaningful for you? Did it, did it actually meet your needs of connection and meaning and purpose? Or was it just a brief, satisfying moment? Like, what did you really get out of this experience? It's almost like sex is just a symbol for good times, for success, for happiness. But we don't really interrogate whether it's actually achieving any of those things. More often than not, I think the appeal of Grinder is that you're really looking for connection. It's almost like it's not really about the sex itself, though, though you think it is. It's actually more like you're bartering sex in order to get a hit of that connection that you really need deep down. The truth is, I think we'd all be better off to seek out connection directly, pure connection. And once we've fulfilled that, then we can have sex when it makes sense to us, when, when we're actually doing it because, hey, you know what? I've got a free evening. I'm feeling frisky. It changes the way you approach it. And you're much more likely to stay inside your integrity and to maintain your values because your need for connection is already met somewhere else. This is just a fun, frivolous distraction, and you treat it with a, a lightness and a casualness befitting that kind of light distraction. It's not the be-all and end-all. You're not going to bend over backwards or do something sketchy to make it happen. You're just like, sure, I'm open to it. I mean, you may still end up bending over backwards, but, you know, in a good way. <laughs>